The reason why I'm bringing this concept to the table is because we all can implement this same idea, these same principles every day. It doesn't matter if you are part-time father or part-time mother because you got a divorce or because you have to move city or because you are flying, fly out. If we understand consciously, the result is growing people with more emotional intelligence, with more human quality. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing this podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. Personal growth is an important aspect in every part of our lives, including parenting. And today we're talking with Angel, a divorced dad, a life coach, and the author of Parenting Leaders. This is an important episode because it's going to open up the conversation with your children about what they expect from us. It's also going to share some ideas and strategies on how to become a better dad. Listen, just because we're living in hell right now does not absolve us from our responsibility to become a better parent. It just doesn't. Life is full of challenges. Divorce, false allegations, and parental alienation are just hurdles that we have to overcome as parents in order to become the best variation of ourselves we can. Angel's going to talk to us about how to prepare our children and ourselves for the future, and then how to take that information and move your family to the next level. In a world where headlines scream for attention, we choose to listen to the whispers that hold the true revelations. All right, let's do this. Angel, welcome to the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. How you doing, brother? Very well, Chuck. Very well. Thank you very much for receiving me. All right, Angel, where are we calling home these days? I'm right now in Australia, in Melbourne. Nice. Beautiful place. Um, yes, living here for eight years now. That, that's some experience, some change. My background is Venezuelan. Okay. Um, I flew to Melbourne in 2015 and was a total change of life. Uh, what brought you there? Well, a little bit of change. As you might be aware, the situation in Venezuela is quite difficult. Yes. I was looking back in the time I had only one child. He was three years old when we fly out. And what's happening is 
I found myself in this difficult spot in which I had to decide between buying nappies and buying food. Hmm. And the reason why I had to do that was because the general issues in my country. So looking at that scenario and having a three years old boy, I had at the moment a very growing career on my hands. Say, well, what I put first. I put first my family, my child, the, the well-being of the whole family, or my career. Well, trying to balance both of those, I decide just to do the career somewhere else where I can raise my child in safety. That makes sense. And that's how the decision came, and I decided to fly in that moment. And we came to Australia. It was the best option that we had at the moment. And it was just you, your wife, and your son at the time? Yes, no family out there, just picked Australia out of the blue or just always wanted to go? No, well, actually, the reason why we picked Australia is because her brother was already sitting here. Oh, cool. Yes, it was kind of easy for us to realize, well, let's uh, start somewhere where we can have a little bit of help and support. So we speak with him and he was more than keen to help us over, bring us here. And that's how we start the process of migration. We came to Australia in 2015, first two years, you know, struggling with the language. I just started learning English as my second language here in Australia. Oh, wow. I, I didn't have the background of the language. Actually, it was helpful during the time that we were in connection with them. That's how everything started for us. Oh, that makes sense. And then now you've lived there for about five years before you divorced? No, eight years, you said. You're recently divorced. Yes, I am recently divorced. Officially, the divorce came out July this year. In between, before the divorce, I had another child, a second boy. So now we are parents of two boys. One of those is 12 and the second one is three years old. Um, well, life is life. We decide to finish the marriage. But we didn't finish the parenting. So yeah. we always agree on songs. And that is that we divorce between us. It's the relationship, husband and wife, which ends. We know that the relationship with the children is the most important thing. And now, even though that we divorce, we know that she doesn't walk away from them and I don't walk away from them. So they know that individually now, the relationship with them is still solid and they know that we are there for them. That is beautiful. And from your lips to God's ears, man, I hope every relationship that breaks up between now and the end of time ends in the same way because you're absolutely correct. We might not get along with our ex-spouse anymore, our spouse, our significant other, whatever, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. But the kids only know mom, dad, 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 mom, mom. They only know what they know. And we're forming their lives. As many of us that don't have the opportunity to see our children, a lot of us have the opportunity to only see our children in small intervals, tiny bits of time. That doesn't negate us the responsibility of being parents to these children, being leaders, being the direction, being the moral compass. Even though we only have them for a smaller period of time, that time's even more valuable now. One of the main reasons we're having Angel on the show today is he's releasing a new book called Parenting Leaders, which is coming out at the end of this month, I believe, or the beginning of next month. And Angel's going to give us some great ideas about how to make that time count. And I'm going to let Angel get into it. In your book, you state how a parent shapes a child's view of the world. 
I was lucky enough to get a sneak peek at uh, Angel's book. It's excellent. So uh, I'll let Angel get into it. Thank you, Chuck. Yes, look, I have a couple of ideas that I am integrating in this book. One of the things is all about how we are actually preparing the men and the women for the future. We live in a world that has too many situations, too many issues ongoing all the time. And what's happening is that we focus on the traditional concept of parenting, which is raising the kids with all the responsibilities that are involved in it. But we don't actually prepare ourselves. We, men and women, are actually the main actors of how the society is shaped today. So what I'm doing with Parenting Leaders is basically bringing the awareness of how we are doing the job as a parent, how we are the leaders. For me, parents are the first leaders of the world. The reason why I say that is because we are preparing men and women for the society. We are shaping the minds of the people that are carrying on the activities, the tasks, every single day. Who is the first in the life of another human being? That among no one else. The job that we do, basically shaping, framing, how that human being is going to be for the rest of the life. Of course, after that, there's going to be some changes. Environment change people. Environment have an influence over people. But the job that we do in that period is the foundation of how people is actually for the rest of the life. And if we do a conscious job, if we do parenting with purpose, that's something that actually is going to have a greater impact over the society. And of course, starting with one, starting with your child, starting with the first person that you can actually have an influence over. And that person is going to carry on with them, he or she. It's going to carry on with the values that you instill in them. They're going to carry on with the ideals that you have about the world. They're going to carry on with every single information that you are programming because that's part of the thing. We come with a brain that is actually point blank. We come here with a brain that is receiving information from every single source. The first source is mom and dad. So Everything that we are instilling there, we are programming those brains, we are programming that people to be someone in life. So we are the influencers. We are the full world for them. Start with one. How many people live right now in this world? More than 7 billion people. What happens if we are able to replicate this message and 7 billion people start doing parenting with purpose? with the purpose of getting a better society, mm -hmm. living in balance, understanding our emotions, understanding how we do something and its consequences, not only for ourselves, but for the rest of the people that are around us. So that's part of the idea about parenting leaders, is understanding that leaders is not just about the title or the position that you have at the workplace, which is basically the main concept that you can find in any dictionary in the world. So leadership is all about, according to that, the position and the title that you get at the workplace. Mm -hmm. But in reality, leadership is influence. Leadership is our capability to get someone to do something that are going to give you a result. It's the possibility that we have to set a goal and move your team to get it there. And who is your better team than your family? Mm -hmm, agreed. That's the thing. So the ideal 
of parenting leader here is to be able to do parenting with purpose and create the environment, the foundations that will actually shape a better society. Better families equal better society at the end of the day. 100%. There is no luck in this. There is no magic in this. You start doing one job and you're going to get a result. The ripple effect, take care of the rest. That's how it is. In your book, you talk about the complexities of being a parent and how the sheer difficulties in understanding the task can cause parents to either succeed or fail. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Absolutely. We all face challenges during parenting. What's happening? The challenge increases according to the times. So as I said before, society, the environment is going to have an influence over ourselves. It's going to have an influence over our children. And we're going to find challenges on every single stage from one to three, three to seven, seven to 12, 12 to 18, 18 and beyond, because parenting never ends. Right. And that's something that I take like a big mistake from the parents. We assume that, well, the parenting stuff already end. Now you are responsible of your whole life and I don't have anything else to do with whatever you are doing now. No, (laughs) actually parenting never ends. That's a link that's going to be there forever. It doesn't matter what, how old you are. You're always going to be the son of someone. And that relationship, it will never end. And what happens? When we are not prepared for certain things, for certain situations, the complexity of the challenge increases. So I have right now a teenager, a 12-year-old boy, and a toddler. Both of them are in different stages. Both of them have different needs. Hmm. And both of them are challenging. Each situation is different, and it requires... 100% of my attention. And what happened if I'm not ready, if I'm not prepared for this? I walk away from the problem. I walk away from them. So how will I get my boys to perform to the best standards that they can possibly do and to have that quality of human that I am actually trying to get there? So when you see those challenges and you don't know how to navigate on those, what really happened is we start losing the ideal of how this person is going to be. And then we see the society and then we see the world. So and allow me this comment, please. The poor getting poorer and the rich getting richer. Yes. And the gap is opening wider and wider all the time. Where do we start? We start on the early stage. So we see now the result of years and generations and generations of parenting, which has been done according to whatever people have, according to the tools and the knowledge that the people had at the time. But today's world is the result of that. Today's world is the result of the values that we have over the last 50 years, over the last 50 generations. Today's world is the result of what we do every day. What happens if we as parents prepare ourselves more, if we as parents get more involved in the life of of our children? Mm -hmm. What happens if we do parenting with a different purpose, with the ideal of creating this leadership in our families to get a different world in 50 years' time? 
a total different result in 20 years, in which the newest generation can do something different because they have self-awareness. They are able to understand leadership. They are able to be not functional on autopilot, but functional with purpose, with ideal, with clear goals, and with clear and clarity knowledge about the consequences of their everyday action. And that's the main idea of this. How would a part-time parent implement something like this? How would it differ from a parent every day? And I can tell you, now having two children in the house and having grown up with two children out of the house, I definitely see the difference. And the life lessons I try teaching my girls on my every other weekend, you know, one day a week, a couple hours for dinner, they learn them, but I can find my my younger ones learning them quicker because they see it more often. Do you have any advice on where a father could get started implementing shaping his children for the future when he only sees them part-time? I don't even know if this is in your wheelhouse, brother, or if this is something you do, but I figured I'd ask. Does it make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at this. The reason why I'm bringing this concept to the table is because we all can implement this same idea, these same principles every day. It doesn't matter if you are part-time father or part-time mother because you got a divorce or because you have to move city or because you are flying, fly out. If we understand consciously this idea, if we are able to carry on with this foundation from the very beginning, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're part-time or full-time. It doesn't matter if you are working 16 hours a day. Of course, it's better if you don't. But applying this on every single scenario is going to have the same result. And the result is growing people with more emotional intelligence, with more human quality. Let's say it this way. I am father of two, and they are with me most of the time, but not all the time. It doesn't stop me from doing the job that I'm telling right now. I talk to them every day. I talk to them at every single point that I can. I focus on building the character. I focus on building resilience. I focus on making them happy, not by playing and buying stuff, but giving quality of time. And that's part of the thing. And I know that mom is doing the same on her place. Nice. And that's something that I'm bringing on to the table is it doesn't matter if you are part-time, but if we as adults, as parents, understand this point, we do the same thing in one place and the other place, we're going to get the same result. That's the thing. That's really interesting. I finished reading my sneak preview this morning, and I actually implemented this with my two older girls. They're 18 and 20, so they're adults. You said that a good thing to do is to ask your children what they expect from their fathers. One of my daughters is backpacking Europe, and the other one's living in Manhattan. So I asked them both via text and told them, take some time to think about it, and let's have a conversation. Actually asking your child what they expect from their parent, I think, is brilliant. And I never would have thought of it had I not read your book. Can you get into that a little bit more, please? Thank you, Chuck. Look at this. One of the traits about leadership is feedback. One of the things that we don't look at at home is getting feedback. Most of the time, I'm not saying everywhere, we don't actually receive feedback the same way that we receive on the workplace. And that's a fact because it's hard to be able to receive feedback. Now, what happens if you want to know more 
about your children, about your son and your daughter. It doesn't matter how old are they. What happened when you say to them, what are your expectations about the job that I'm doing, about parenting, about my parenting style, about the way that I talk to you, about the way that I communicate, about the way I do things. You probably do parenting different than me. Your style might be different than mine. But at the end of the day, we are in relationship with another human being. Hmm. I do believe that good leaders are a tough call away from growth. And that's the reason why I say, my boy, what do you expect from me right now? What do you expect from me tomorrow? What do you expect from me in 10 years time? What do you want for your birthday? What do you expect me to do as your dad every single day? Of course, sometimes the oldest one is 12. And for him, sometimes could be challenging as well. Answer those questions and say, okay, from his world, the view is quite different from the world that would be from an 18 years old or 25, 30 years old adult. But getting him into this thinking process is actually what helped him to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. set expectations, rise the bar, set high standard for himself, for his life. So he can see, well, if I can't expect this from my dad, why will I accept less from the people that surround me? And that's the thing, because as a human, as a person in relationships, we tend to accept from the people that we are in relationship many things that you will never accept from your mom or your dad. But we don't set those boundaries at the beginning. We don't set that mindset at the beginning. And at the end of the day, we see the result in today's world. We see how the world runs every single day. We see how our societies run every single day. And we see external entities. They are nothing to do with me. But at the end of the day, we all are part of this society. And we are the result of what we were programmed. There is a foundation there. It's solid, it's weak, that depends on every single home, every single family. The ideal of this concept is to understand that the foundation we are setting is actually what's going to get, the, as a result, better member of this society. Nice. I don't want to take away from your book, but would you mind sharing when you spoke with your son the story, when you asked him what he expected of you? If you don't mind, I think a lot of dads are going to cross that same bridge. And had I not read that, I might have approached my daughters differently. You're, again, your approach there was spot on. Do you, do you mind sharing that? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I asked my son, what do you expect from me? And his answer was nothing. <laughs> love it. I love it. I was really, really, you know, shocked. (laughs) Look, the brain or minds work too fast. In three seconds, in a split of three seconds, I thought about many things. I said, well, where am I failing? Now I feel not good enough. Now something is happening here. And this was his words, actually. He said nothing because I was already great. I was a great dad. I love it. It was three seconds between the point A to the point B. And I said to him, how could be nothing? I always talking about growth, mindset, rising the standards, putting the bar higher. That nothing was not enough. And what happened when he said, well, I'm expecting nothing because you are great. Despite of the relief and the smile that naturally came to, to me. Right. 
I thought, well, that's great. That's absolutely awesome. But now I'm going to raise my standards again. I'm going to put the bar higher again because I want, he set higher expectation about the people that he's going to be involved with. And that's the thing. I don't want him to just say, yes, you are great. I want him to think he's extraordinary so he can stay with extraordinary people at all the time. He can expect more from the people so he won't be able to accept less than what he actually can deliver. And that's part of the thing. That's how I see a society more organized, a family more solid and more integrated is always expecting the best from the people that you are with. Because otherwise, what happens when we start accepting less and less? Our behaviors individually are going to do exactly the same. We are going to perform less and less. Right. So there comes so many broken families. There comes so many broken relationships because people start acting with poor expectation or not expectation at all. Mm. And when you have no expectation at all from someone, what's happening? You are receiving whatever is delivering and you don't care. You don't think about it. You just take what you get. Exactly. And that's something that I actually criticizing on the book is conformism. If we conform with that type of thing, what's happening next? Why the violence all is raising all the time? Why substance abuse is an extraordinary problem that we have in the world right now? Right. The violence at home. So many families looking at this situation and living the trauma because a simple thing, you accept that situation. You accept that you had no standards, you had no expectations, and you start accepting the first hit, the first problem, the first time that mom or dad hit you because they were totally drunk or they were uh, under influence, and no one teach you how to set proper boundaries, how to do this thing different, and how to get involved in a relationship in which you deliver more and you expect more so we can be more together and we can expect more from the families, we can expect more from the people, we can expect more for how the community works wrong, and we can expect more from the society itself. And then we allow the ripple effect to do the job. It's huh. really interesting, brother. No, you're absolutely right with the continued self-improvement. We had spoken earlier before the show about self-improvement. And every year I would use a specific date to make sure I did better than the year before. And I held myself to that, where a lot of divorced guys can work off the books so they don't have to pay child support, hide their income. I went the other direction. I was not doing well when we got divorced. I'm doing well now because I never gave up on myself. And I wanted my girls to know, hey, listen, daddy's going to overcome. He's going to take what the world gave him and he's going to make it work for him. And he's going to make it work for you, which I say all the time. I mean, it's invaluable what you said about taking that pause in that three seconds. Quick story. I spoke to my kids more on the phone than I saw them in person as they were growing up. We spoke every day. And my oldest daughter started talking about sex. And it kind of seemed like her mom and I were in a race to who was going to teach what at what time. And they were about three, four, five at the time. It was way, they were way too young to be talking about sex, in my humble opinion. Before I lost my crap, I turned to one of the foremen that I was working with and I said, this is crazy. And he told me, find out what she means. What does sex mean to the child? Because it might not mean what it means to you. And in that three seconds, 
I thought of everything under the sun. What the hell is my wife teaching this baby? You know what sex meant to her? Kissing. <laughs> that was it. So instead of losing my mind, you take that three seconds and then you ask the child again, why is that enough? Or why don't you expect anything from me? Oh, because I'm already great. What does that mean to you, sex? Oh, kissing. And you'll probably get some great answers. Oh, totally, John. The thing is to understand that my perspective of the world is already contaminated. <laughs> we are in a world in which we have the influence of the environment. And we read the paper, we watch the news, we listen to the radio, we talk with people on the street, you walk down the road and you find someone fighting and then you go to the office and, I don't know, the person that you have uh, on, the, on the desk behind you is crying because the marriage is broken and many things. So we are actually contaminating our expectations about things like that. And, and your perspective is coming from the adult right. that are in this whole crazy is happening every single day. And the innocence from, from her world was that, honestly, I talk about sex openly, not from the nasty point of view that right. an adult can judge me and say, why are you talking about sex openly with your child? No, I talk about sex openly according to their level of understanding, according to the, their view of the world, okay, by asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, what were you doing? Open questions. I was doing X because in the case of the 12 years old, he is on that stage. The word yes and no is more than enough to communicate. <laughs> right. So I remember having those open questions actually obligate to talk and say, what did you do today? I did this and this, so I don't remember. Okay, well, what were you talking about with this person? What's happening in this area? And he just came the other day to home and said, oh, we had the worst day ever at school. What happened? We were talking about sex. <laughs> I just <laughs> couldn't laugh about it. I said, well, that's something I don't need to worry too much right now, but let's talk. What did you talk about sex at school? What are they teaching? Explain to me exactly what they explain to you. And everything starts there again. Okay, well, this is a talking about X, Y, Z. This is what I actually mean. What does it mean to you? And always test by asking the question to them. What does it mean to you? What actually are you looking at from this point of view? What actually your friends, your peers think about this point? And getting involved on this, and not like, you know, an interrogatory that you are doing is a police officer sitting there right. and asking you, okay, what happened here? What are you doing there? What's the reason why you were stepping on that moment with that person? That's not the ideal, but actually building that confidence in the relationship in which they can happily answer the question and keep you in the loop of what are they living, what experiences are they having out there, and how they see the world. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is value, the most value that you can need to start thinking about how you are going to frame the introduction to sex in your parenting, how you are going to talk about sex in your parenting, how you're going to talk about drugs in your parenting, how you're going to talk about the issues that they see every single day outside the house. Mm -hmm in your parenting and you shape your parenting style according to that need is basically customizing what you do to their needs. And of course, most people do this, but the missing point is 
let them lead the conversation. Yes. Let them lead the style because otherwise and we impose a parenting, we actually turn into authoritarian parenting. Then we try to make the rule, make them comply, and we miss the moment in which we can know better our children and how they are actually receiving information, where how actually they view the world and how actually you can be more supportive and more helpful in shaping them and getting them ready for life. Nice. Let's get into that a little bit more. What would be some red flags that guys could look out for to avoid becoming an authoritarian parent? First of all, self-awareness. Mm. First of all, is seeing ourselves. Look, look at yourself on the mirror and see, okay, who am I seeing here? What did I do right now? How I perform or how I behave last with my child, with my son, with my daughter. What are you looking in their behavior? How are they behaving? Because not all the time your child is going to say, okay, dad or mom, this is what actually you did to me. And this is how I feel. And I feel that you are wrong. They're not going to say that. No, they're not. <laughs> they're going to show you by behavior. Mm. And you're going to see the changes of behavior. But what happens when we see a challenging behavior, we see someone who is who's challenging you. Yep. Who's trying to get you crazy, get you out of your spot, who's trying to do something to you when actually they are trying to communicate that they might be feeling down, they might be feeling left aside, they might be feeling hurt, and we don't see it from that point of view. And we miss that part. We miss the moment in which we can actually exercise the concept of self-awareness and see how we behave, what we are doing, and look the results of what we do. That's something essential. And we need to learn how to communicate with them because it's easy from year one to year five. A lot of cuddle, a lot of love. Yeah. And we believe that that's it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Boom. No, actually, there are different strategies that we need to learn to communicate with the child from one to five, five to 10, 10 to 15 and beyond. And we need to learn how to read the behavior that they are showing in order to bring, okay, bring to the table what's actually happening and how you can approach to them in a different way and understand our child are as human as we are. Yeah. And they have their own reaction. They shape their own personalities. They shape themselves according to how we perform. We are the model. We are the people that they are going to see first. And they can choose either go the same way or go on the opposite. And let's be honest on this, job. If you hurt someone every single day, that person probably is not going to want to be with you. Right. If you love that person every single day, that person probably is going to desire be with you. That's a fair statement. That's how we behave with our parents. If you have a great dad, a great mom, you want to be in touch with them most of the time. It doesn't matter how old you are. But if your relationship with your parents had trauma, probably the relationship is going to go in opposite ways. Yeah. And that's something that I call everyone to understand early because you don't need to wait until you turn 72 years old to understand I mess up with my boy, I mess up with my daughter. So we can do the right thing right now because doing the right thing first is easier than trying to fix the problem later. Absolutely. 
That's uh, extremely well said. One of the things I changed in my relationship, I have three daughters and a son, and I'm the only son for my father, and he's one of three. According to my family history, the fathers never told their sons they loved them until they were on their deathbed. Now, my father broke that, but he's not a war man. You know, he grew up with a World War II vet dad. He's a Vietnam vet dad. So, you know, they did their best and they did it the way they were taught to be a father. And I owe them everything and they owe their fathers everything because every father got the family to the next level up from my great grandfather was an orphan. And as my aunt put it, he was an orphan in a time when orphans weren't protected. So I can only imagine what he went through. They won't tell me. We can imagine. Yes. If you allow me to talk, please. There is a principle that we need to understand as well, and it is that we do the best we can with the resources that we have. Excellent. Look, our elders did the best thing that they had with the resources that they had at the moment. I love my mom. I grew up without that. He passed away when I was four. I love my grandma. I didn't have the opportunity to meet my grandparents. They passed away either before I was born or I was too little at the time. And they did the best job that they could. So did my mom. And as you say, every single parent tried to step up in the ladder and try to do something better. But at the same time, and I'm going to make an insertion here, and it is that tough times also shape tough people. Agreed. For tough people, all the trauma that they carry on with them is expressed at home as well. Yeah. Look at this. In today's world, you come from the office and you had a bad day and you don't know how to switch off the office person to parent person and your child throw a tantrum and you crack and you react because we miss the point in which we learn and practice self-awareness. We miss that point. So what's happening is the fast-paced world in which we live today is something that demands a lot of attention. And even though people today don't, I'm not saying everyone because I know that there are many people that are war veterans, but not everyone is a war veteran. And people feel overwhelmed every single day for the fast-paced world in which we live in. And what's happening is people come home overwhelmed for whatever happening outside, for the right. situation at a job, for the situation in the traffic. And they come home and people crack at home. Why? Because we don't know how to switch ourselves from one state to another. We don't know how to be aware about our emotions. We don't know how to connect with our emotions and understand the emotion from someone else's. And that actually starts affecting the way in which we do parenting, in the way in which we take care of ourselves, in the way in which we actually build relationship with the people that we have at home. And we think a lot about the importance of networking, the importance of building relationships with the people because we want growth. But we don't think consciously or in the same way about building the relationship with son and daughter. Hmm. We don't think about that's another relationship that we are actually building. Yes. We see, yes, they are my son, they are my daughters, and I'm that. But we don't see that's actually a relationship with another human being which has needs and demands. Well said. And that's something that we need to be aware of. Really good stuff, brother. In the book, you describe your ideal father. What would be a step a man could take or a person could take as a parent to start becoming their ideal perception of a father? Yes. 
Look, I'm talking that about my personal story. Uh, my dad passed away when I was four. And I am the third of three. I have a older sister and an older brother, 10 years gap in between. Mm. My mom was doing the best that she could, so she had to deal with many things at the same time as well. She was raising two teenagers and a toddler. Right. And having a job, making sure that we all have a roof over our head and food in the fridge. That was kind of overwhelming for her at the time. That's three full-time jobs right there. Exactly. Three kids plus a full-time job. Right. <laughs> so it's demanding. Yes. What's happening? I never miss love from her, thanks God. But something that I miss was the role model of my dad. Mm. When I got into my teenager phase, young adult, and thinking about getting a relationship, getting married, getting my son, I start thinking about, okay, how are we going to do this? Because no one teach parenting. Right. <laughs> you learn by what you see, mm -hmm. basically. That, that's the first step. I start thinking, okay, how I do this and how I do this well. I had too many role models in my life. I have teachers, I have mentors, I have cousins, I had uh, my uncles. Mm -hmm. I took the best from everything that I could see, from every person that I could be in a relationship with. But no one was the great role model for me. We all have something. Right. I start thinking, how I do this well? And I ask myself, okay, how I would like my father be? What's the best father that I could have? And I start answering to myself, okay, a father who was loving, a father who was able to teach me things, a father who played with me, a father who hold my hand to cross the street, a father who explained to me about the world, how the world actually works, a father who be able to advise me on my career, what career could be better for me and, and for the personality that I developed in my life and so on. And that's how I came to the parenting style that I actually exercise every single day, just asking the question of, and, and I'm not saying, please, that I'm the ideal father, I'm the role model that everyone needs to follow. I am far from that. But what I actually doing is asking myself first the questions, what's the ideal father that I could have? And now what I do is asking to my voice, how you think your ideal father could be? What are their expectations? What actually they are looking at? What actually they dream about? The last week I said, to my 12 years old. And the reason why I always point out the, the 12 years old, because the capacity of, of course, <laughs> with my three years old, I always taste how happy is he. Yes. And, and that's something that's important. I customize the parenting to his needs, but to the 12 years old, so you can have a different level of conversation. And I said to him, okay, buddy, what actually do you want for your life? And he said to me, a best life. Okay, define what you want for your best life. And we start walking. These are the type of conversation when we are walking to the supermarket to, to buy mm -hmm. groceries or do something. <laughs> and we start lo looking around and say, well, this is actually how we start shaping things. We, we look here, we look at there, we look at this house, we look at the people around us. We start looking around what we have in our environment. We start having ideas. What do you want for your life? What do you want for your dad? And if you see someone, let's say, crying on the corner and that or mom is hitting, is that what you actually want for your life? Oh, no. Hey, no, I don't want that. Right. Okay. 
you start defining what actually do you want from your dad? What actually do you want from your mom? And what actually is the ideal dad and the ideal mom that you can have? And always trying to get him to the point, think about and demand more, but not demand from the point of view of I want this, I want that, and, and everything is turning to material things. No, demand about emotional things. What are the emotional traits that you actually are expecting to get? And that way he can also be more mature. Mm-hmm about his own emotions, about the way that he's going to deliver, about the way that he's going to receive. And I tell you, I don't know if this was the intent, but just thinking about it, something that will definitely come of this is you now have a 12-year-old identifying in his mind what his idea of an ideal dad is. So now he's putting the concepts in his brain of who he wants to be as a father, what he sees a great dad as being. And that's only going to make him a better father than you or me. And hopefully our children will be better parents than we were. And that just keeps growing. I really like that, starting that conversation earlier. Like, what are you looking for out of a dad? Yes, exactly. And that's something that actually made me think and made me reflect about every single day because, and you say before, so we, we try to do something better for the next generation. And we try to, I try as a dad to help my boy to be in a better position than I was. What I'm actually looking at is he's going to have the time in which he can help his children to be better than where he is right now and so on and so on. Do this every single family, replicate the same model over 7 billion people and tell me the result in 50 years without getting into deep thinking about the structure of the society. What actually we're going to demand from the people with the title, the people in government and the position that can make the decisions over the whole society. But everything starts in what we expect in home, what we expect in our homes, yeah. what we expect from my dad, from my mom, what we expect to do and deliver for my next generation. And that's the thing. There is a principle that I was reading this week, Chuck, and it's about genetically we carry on with the code that's been operating well over the last 50 generations or the previous 50 generations, but not the last five. And that was something that hit my mind. And I said, well, if that's how it is, then we need to aim for the next 50 generations. Right. <laughs> and how this code that we are actually developing today is going to impact the world over the next 50 generations and what actually they're going to receive from us. And that's the legacy, mate. Because people today think about the legacy and we believe that the legacy, to, to leave a legacy, we need to do something extraordinary that everyone knows and everyone can see and something that everyone can touch. And I totally agree with that. But what if every single family in this world today could aim for this type of result was the legacy that we are going to leave for the next 10 or 20 generations. Uh-huh. What world they are going to inherit that could be something extraordinary. It, it couldn't be something less than extraordinary because if we do this consciously with the purpose of shaping a better world for the future, definitely that's the best legacy that we can live. Man, that is perfect. It's such a simple concept. It really is. And how people can't grasp a hold of it is still beyond me. I mean, 
some of the things that are like right staring us in the face. The family makes society. I mean, that's proven, scientifically proven, studies have proven, you know, by the way of the family is the way of the country, by the way of the country is the way of the world, right? That's how it is. And again, we're not putting in the time to put the proper building blocks in on the family level to build a stronger society. You're right. It's simple. If people just did it with purpose, just said, how am I going to get my family to the next level? Which we've done in my family now for three generations that I know of. And I can tell you it's worked. I see the difference to where I grew up. I see a big difference from where my dad grew up. And it's a hell of a big difference than where his father grew up. So if you put in the time and the effort and continual self-improvement, you can really change your family and then your family can change the world. Angel, where can we find you and how can people look up your book? The book is going to be available online. It's going to be first an ebook before the printed version. The printed version, you can do it by demand at the beginning. So almost every single platform, Apple Books for Android as well, is available. I'm going to drop the link below so you can actually download the ebook. Excellent. And also, it's going to be available for you. You can find me in LinkedIn as well. I'm going to leave the link below as well. And also, you can find me on Instagram as A Gonzalez, double Z, A Gonzalez dot vision. That vision. That's my Instagram. You can find me there. I actually also do parenting coaching. My main channel for that is A Gonzalez dot vision. You can find me there and start getting in touch with me. That way, we keep growing this concept. And also, I want to tell you something, Chuck. After the releasing of this book, one of the chapters that I'm dedicating to this is exactly what we spoke before. It's about the divorce, the parenting and being divorced and how to reclaim the leadership position in the parenting. And that's actually the introduction for my second book, which is going to be Parenting Leaders Chapter Divorce. That's something that's coming for the 2024. I just wanted to put it on the table right now so you can have the expectation that we are going to go deep into this issue. We're going to have that expectation. We'll be having you back on the show before that release, sir. Sure, thank you very much. We're going to have links to everything Angel mentioned in the show notes. And brother, thank you for being on the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope that this actually has the impact that we are trying to get here. Oh, and I tell you, anybody who doesn't think this man is dedicated, it is 4 a.m. Monday where he is now. It's noon Sunday where I am. It's 4 a.m. Monday. He got up to tell you what you need to hear. Angel told it like it is. We need to take ownership of ours and our children's futures. Knowing you're the first leader in your child's life, really take this time to understand, is there anything better you can do? You'll always be their dad. Now, what do you want the word daddy to mean to your children? Opening up conversations with your children about what you can do better is personal growth. It's not asking your children for validation. And listen, have you ever really given thought to how you're going to become a better version of you? If so, how are you going to teach your children how to become the best version of them that they can become? Because if you grow and better yourself, if you lead by example, your kids will do the same. And if you don't step up your parenting game, how can we expect our children and the next generation to thrive? All right, Joe, take us home. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram and let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. The team of Why Daddy Never Cries consists of Joe, the voice of reason, Nicole Kelleher, and Scott Hall. Thanks, everybody. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons, I said the hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. No, no.